mysticism versus scripture that's the title of our teaching tonight we have been discussing the place of god's word in the church and in the lives of christians um, uh, over the past few weeks and in my last teaching on the sufficiency and authority of scripture i touched on a number of things which undermine or which are against the sufficiency and authority of scripture and in our day nothing is much grander or top of the list than mysticism a mysticism has many different forms it weighs many faces which are all anti-bible and deny the authority and sufficiency of scripture we see its many forms in the charismatic word of faith movement and also in the new age uh, religions of today it has become utterly monstrous in our day and there's many different fronts that's why we should uh, take the threat that comes from mysticism seriously it is important to note that christian mysticism is the face of christianity today Turn on faith TV channels, turn on the radio, the most famous of pastors you hear there, and so-called Christian practices are mystical. They claim to have secret knowledge, to have special privileges and special access to God. They claim to have special, special connections to the divine. They claim to have what they call dynamis power. They claim to have special meetings, encounters, and revelations from God. There is a, a popular prophet here in, in Zimbabwe who is often on TV and on radio. He claims to have spiritual spectacles. And if you have enough faith and seed money, of course, you can tape into this mysticism and have your life radically changed. That is the promise that they are giving people, and it's everywhere. It's by far very pervasive. It's in the air we breathe. It's in the air we breathe. I once say that in Harare, if you throw, if you randomly throw a stone, you will hit a Pentecostal. That is also true of Christian mystics. In Harare, if you randomly throw a stone, you will likely hit a Christian mystic. And I, I, I know this well because I was once one such a Christian. I was a Christian mystic. I came to faith and the church that I joined when I became a believer have a lot of uh, so-called Christian practices, which are mystical. That, that is the air around us. That is uh, what so many Christians um, believe to be uh, Christianity. But in reality, it's actually mysticism. Yeah. And this is the number one reason biblical literacy has plummeted in our day. We have a biblical um, literacy, illiteracy crisis. And why wouldn't we have a biblical literacy crisis when congregants are being told 
regularly to hunger for more, to pursue more, to pursue a tangible, tingling experience with God. Church is not just church. The service is not powerful until some dramatic frenzy, frenzy occurs in, or, or someone is slain by the Spirit. When people say that the church service was powerful, you won't hear them speak of how the Word of God convicted them. They speak of how people were rolling on the floor. They speak of how people were rolling on the floor and barking like dogs. And when that happens, that's when they say that the church service, the worship experience was powerful. So, Christians are being encouraged everywhere to be mystics. And on that point, um, where I say that uh, Christian mysticism is one of the reasons why uh, biblical illiteracy Biblical literacy has plummeted. I just want you to look at some of these deaths. Uh, this, this is from a recent Lifeway study, Lifeway research study report done in 2020. And the report says that 32% of professing Protestant Christians read the Bible personally every day. That is three out of 10 Christians. 47% of American Christians say the Bible is accurate in all its teachings. 51% say the Bible was written for each person to interpret as he or she chooses. Uh, the next one is it's, it's staggering. But believe me, you, it's, it's, this is a reflection of our Christian society, of professing, professing Christians today. 74% disagree with the idea that the smallest sin deserves internal damnation. This is so-called Christians. 77% of professing Christians say that people must put their own effort for personal salvation. They deny justification by faith. They deny, essentially, they deny the gospel. This is uh, almost eight out of ten Christians. Eight out of ten people who profess to be Christian, Christians, they deny the doctrine of justification by faith alone. They believe that man can contribute to his own salvation. Forty-five percent believe that man, there are many ways to go to heaven, and. Why wouldn't uh, so-called Christians believe those things, these things? Why wouldn't we be biblically illiterate when we can claim to hear from God directly? When you claim to hear the Holy Spirit directly? When you claim to converse with the Holy Spirit every morning? There's a famous uh, televangelist who wrote a book called uh, a good morning, Holy Spirit. And you, you see a lot of so-called Christians are posting good morning, Holy Spirit on their statuses each and every morning. Why would they open their Bible when they can, when they claim to hear from God directly? When you claim to be the, um, there is a famous prophet here in Zimbabwe, Uber Angel, who claims to be the fourth member 
of the Trinity. There are prophets who claim, um, there's one in particular here in Zimbabwe who claims to be the heavenly army commander. Why would, why would they need to open their Bible? Why would they need uh, scriptures? When they are so-called little gods, little G-O-Ds, why would we not be um, biblically illiterate? And that's the reality, friends. Majority of Christians are in a pursuit of mystical encounters with a God they don't want to encounter in his word. Mm. They don't want to just read the word of God, the, the logos word of God. They want what is known as Rema, the fresh word of God, dropped in their spirit. So they have night vigils, long prayers, countless fastings, so that they enter into the spirit and have this hyper-emotionalized sensual experience and to be slain by the spirit. They want to hear a word from above. Wow, they shut their minds and close the Bible. <coughs> Friends, uh, let me just remind you that that is not the God of the Bible. That is being pragmatic, pragmatic and innovative with our worship. That's not how we ought to worship God as prescribed by the scriptures. Now, I want to go deep uh, in deep a little to help us understand, really, what is mysticism. Now, I did some Google search. Here's how the Miriam uh, website dictionary defines mysticism. Mysticism it is the experience of mystical union or direct communion with ultimate reality. The second definition that the Miriam website uh, dictionary gave was Mysticism is the belief that direct knowledge of God, spiritual truth, or ultimate reality can be attained through subjective experience, such as intuition or insight. Wikipedia defines mysticism. Uh, it says that it is popularly known as becoming one with God of the absolute, by, by, but may refer to any kind of ecstasy or altered state of consciousness, mm. altered state of uh, unconsciousness, altered state of consciousness. It has so many variations through the ages, which I'm going to highlight before us and confront. But uh, what is important to note for, um, from, uh, from this definition of mysticism is this so-called uh, connection with the divine it happens in an altered state. You have to, uh, you have to, to enter into a realm that they call. You have to enter into the spirit. You, you somehow have to shut your mind for you to have this uh, deep connection um, with the divine, deep connection with God. So, I'll give a brief background of uh, mysticism. Uh, from the Bible and throughout our uh, history. And um, as we see, it's many different forms um, play through. So I want us to go uh, into the Bible. So I want us to know that like many other heresies, 
mysticism has its origin in the garden. Genesis chapter chapter three, uh, friends. Um, let me go to the text. Let us read Genesis chapter three from verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, and here is the part where mysticism comes, comes in. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So, essentially, what the serpent does to, to Eve, she tells, um, he tells Eve that, you know, what God has given you is not enough. The means of, uh, of worship that God has given you is not enough. What, 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 what the serpent tells Eve is that what God has commanded you is not enough. The word of God is not enough. There is some special revelation that you must acquire, that you must obtain. And you can only obtain it when you eat of this fruit. So this is the root of mysticism. Mysticism says that your eyes need to be opened. There is more. It's, it's, this, and this is how this heresy infiltrates the church. It is promising Christian that uh, it is a, uh, you need to experience God more. You need to have an ecstatic experience with God. The word of God is not enough. You need to hear from God directly. You need to be slain by the spirit. You need to have a tangible experience with God. Hunger for more, they say. That's mysticism. And what really it is, it is a promise of power. It promises power. By promising, by giving secret knowledge. And here's the thing. What mysticism does is, what the serpent is saying to Eve is that, by opening yourself to this secret knowledge, you have knowledge, you know good and evil, and you essentially become like God. That's what the charismatics are telling Christians today. You are a God. That's, that's what mysticism uh, promises people. It's idolatrous. It's idolatrous. By invading God's private will, God's private and secret will, by trying to attempt, by trying to, attempt to invade God's secret will, <clears throat> the secret knowledge of God. 
mysticism is essentially saying to people, you can be like God. And what you need to realize is at the core of this is the serpent that they say, is the question that the serpent asked Eve in the garden. Did God really say? It's an attack on the sufficiency and authority of scripture. It is an attack on the word of God. That's what mysticism does. And all forms of mysticism that you see throughout history, they are an attack on the authority and sufficiency of scripture, right? And um, in the Old Testament, there are many passages which prohibit seeking uh, secret knowledge. There are many passages in the Old Testament which prohibit um, divination, occultism, and uh, let me read uh, such a, one such a text, Deuteronomy chapter number 13, verse 1 to 5. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or, or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us save them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord, your God, is tasting you to know whether you love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord, your God, and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall save him and hold fast to him. But that prophet, that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery. So what this scripture is essentially saying, if someone comes and claims to have uh, secret knowledge, if he claims um, to have a dream, if he claims to have a prophecy, but he is diverting you from the law of God, if he is diverting you from the teaching, from the teaching of the word of God, you ought, to, you, you ought to reject him. Mm. This was in the old covenant. Mm. And Christians in our day need to, uh, need to real, realize this. If these so-called prophets will come and say that they have secret revelations from God, if their secret, secret revelations are against the, the, the gospel, are against the word of God, we ought to reject them. Christians nowadays... They need to be reminded of that. Amen. <clears throat> Let me read another Old Testament text which prohibits mysticism. In essence, um, Deuteronomy chapter number 18, verse 9, 9 to 14. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. What are those abominable practices of those nations? They shall not be found among you, anyone who bends his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. This is what the word of God says. And because of, of, of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you are about to dis dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. 
So you can see here in the old uh, covenant, God is telling the people of God, he's telling um, the Israelites that they are to be distinct. They are not to be like uh, the Canaanites who followed after fortune tellers. We, we went after astrology. We, we were trying to seek a secret knowledge. They were essentially mystics. And God is, 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 is saying that such practices are abominable. And it's the reason why he's driving them out. And this command needs to be reiterated in our day when mysticism has been brought into the church. The church needs to be reminded that these are pagan practices and the church needs to, needs to reject them. They should be not be found such abominable practices among us. Mm. This is the reason why God was made when King Saul inquired secret knowledge from a necromancer. It's because he had prohibited this practice. First Samuel chapter number 28, verse 3 to 10. Now when Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city, and Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land, and um, Paul did this in obedience to, to, the, to, to what the law of God said in Deuteronomy 18. He had put, he had put away, he had put out of the land uh, necromancers and mediums. All the mystics, he had put them out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came in, in, uh, and they came to Shunem. And so gathered all Israel and they came to Gibor. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by his prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endo. So, um, you can read the rest of the story. But Saul goes to this medium to inquire. Um, he wanted this necromancer to raise the spirit of Samuel from the dead so that he would inquire if he would win uh, in battle. He was doing those things that the Lord had, um, had prohibited. And the Lord was made at him for that. Amen. And it's important to know that there are many souls in the church today who are bringing mysticism, who are bringing pagan practices into the church because they don't trust the, the word of God. What Saul should have done when he saw that the armies of the Philistines were fierce, were great, he should have trusted the word of God. Um, um, is it in Deuteronomy 6 uh, where Moses instructed the the, 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 the the congregation of Israel, that when you go into battle, know that the Lord of hosts, the Lord your God, shall go with you and you will fight for you. That's what he should have trusted. And not go into seeking necromancers and secret knowledge. And this is the reason why um, mysticism offends the Lord so much. It's because mysticism... Um, in its essence, 
it is it is doubting God's word. Amen. It is a it is a show of a lack of trust in God's promises or God's revealed will. So should have trusted that the God of hosts would go with him to war and fight on behalf of the armies of Israel. He should have been strong in the Lord and trusted in the power of his might. And you see the same thing with Christian mysticists in our day. They don't trust in the sovereignty of God. That all things work together for the good of those that love God. So they want to go out and seek secret knowledge of God. They want a special revelation. They want to, to, to know from a prophet if they will have a child, if they will pass the job interview. They don't trust that all things work together for the good of those that love God and accord according to his promises. They don't trust, they, they want secret knowledge from, from the prophet if they should marry this individual. Should I marry this girl? Should I marry this, uh, this guy? They don't trust the means of providence which God has provided in his word. It is a lack of faith. And this is the reason why mysticism offends God so much. And he abominates it among his people. Amen. So, you don't see mysticism in the Old Testament only. In the New Testament, you see Apostle Paul speaking against uh, a kind of mysticism that came from Greek philosophies in his day. Listen to the word of God from Colossians chapter number 2, verse 8. This is what the word of God says. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and the empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. <coughs> so he's warning uh, the saints at Colus to, to see it that no one takes them captive by philosophy and empty deceit. There was a threat um, that was coming from the philosophy of, of, of Greek, that was coming from Greek philosophy during that time. There was a thread that was coming from the wisdom of men during that time. And God warns, um, Apostle Paul is warning the saints that call us against that. And he reiterates the same warning in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 from verse 1. Uh, let me read. Uh, from verse 1. And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony, the testimony of God with the lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. So, Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he's warning the saints at Corinth 
against this uh, type of mysticism, Greek philosophy, lofty speech, um, and wisdom of men is warning the, the Christians at Corinth against this. He's telling them to rest um, in the power and in the wisdom of God. Amen. And you can see it uh, even in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, when uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, when he addresses this the issue about speaking in tongues, right? The church at Corinth was caught up in mysticism. They were speaking in, 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 in languages they did not know, they could not interpret. And Apostle Paul warns against them. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 1, he says, uh, Brethren, um, concerning, spiritual griefs, concerning spiritual griefs, I do not want you to be ignorant. For you know that when you were pagans, you worshipped mute idols. Pagan worship, uh, um, pagan worship uh, thrives in mysticism. That is why at one point, uh, it should be in Acts 17, when, when Paul went to preach at Ephesus, he saw a banner that was written to, to the unknown God. It was mystical. It was mystical. And Paul speaks vehemently against mysticism. And so should we um, speak against the mysticism in our day. Um, so should we speak against the mysticism in our day. Amen. The Apostle John wrote his letters mostly to address um, what, what are known as uh, Gnostics, the, what is known as the, the, the Gnostic heresy. Gnostics are, are, are a, a group of Christians which believe that they had, uh, they had, uh, a special, they had special revelations. They believe that they had the sixth sense. These were, these were first century uh, heretics. They believe that they could uh, tape into they believe that they could tap into some special kind of knowledge that the ordinary believer did not have. And they introduced a lot of heresies, a lot of damnable heresies into the church. They were denying the bodily, um, they, they were denying that uh, Jesus came um, as a human being. They were denying the incarnation of Christ. And the Apostle John wrote the, 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 the um, First John, Second John, and Third John, mostly in response to their heresy, they were mystics. They believed that they could have special access to to revelation, to knowledge. And mysticism and heresy, they, they always go hand in hand together. They always go hand in hand together. Whenever uh, so-called Christians <coughs> believe that they have access to secret knowledge, they have a sixth sense, they usually end up in heresy. They usually end up perverting the gospel. They usually end up preaching another gospel. They usually end up preaching a different Christ. Amen. So, we need to speak against uh, mysticism. The reformers um, spoke against uh, the mysticism that was coming from the Catholic Church. 
in the Catholic Church, the Pope was elevated to be, to be the vicar of Christ. He was known to be the representative of Christ. He spoke on behalf of Christ. The Pope was, um, had a secret, uh, a special kind of knowledge that the ordinary individual did not have. During the time of the, Revol the, the Reformation, ordinary believers were not allowed to have access to the Word of God. Interpretation of the Word of God could only come from the Pope and his cardinals and his priests. It was some, some type of mysticism. And, and, and the reformers responded with, with, with solar scriptura, scripture alone in response to the traditions and the heresies which were introduced by the Catholic Church because of the mysticism that they had uh, introduced into the church. They responded saying that scripture alone uh, is sufficient and is authoritative and not the Pope. We have to respond in such a manner against the mysticism we see in our day. So I'll get to our day. Um, what sort of um, um, mysticism do you see in our day? When the Pentecostal uh, movement started in, in the early 20th century, it started saying to Christians that... Um, you need more. Christianity is an experiential religion. There's this experience. Being born again is not enough. You need this experience, which is known as the second baptism. You need a baptism of fire for you to be a full Christian, for you to be empowered as a believer. It's elevated experience above the word of God. It undermined the authority and sufficiency of scripture. Pentecostalism is mysticism. Mm. Mm. The, the, the mystic heresy, um, they are at the core of uh, the Pentecostal movement, the Pentecostal and the charismatic movement. Amen. Amen. You also see it uh, in the um, Word of Faith movement. The Word of Faith movement uh, find its um, they find its its background in what is known as uh, Christian Science. The uh, Christian Science uh, this is um, this is a type of uh, religion which believes that uh, you can control the atmosphere with uh, with your thinking. It believes that you can alter reality by positive thinking. Yeah, Scientology, the legion of Scientology. It believes that uh, there is a famous, um, is it documentary, is it a book that was written called um, The Secret? They believe that, I remember there was a time I was reading this other book, it's a famous book by a guy called Napoleon Yu. I don't know if some of you have um, read it before. It's called uh, Think and Grow Rich. It says by merely thinking and having positive, a positive mind, you can become rich. It says that more gold is the mind from the minds of men. Just by thinking, you can affect your reality. Friends, that, 
That is a form of mysticism. Amen. And the mysticism that we um, now um, see particularly in our day is what is known as a New Age uh, religion. That's the mysticism that is popular in our day. Now, New Age practices, they became popular in the 70s and are so popular today. And most Christians, most so-called Christians, they hold on to these beliefs and they don't even know it. Mm -hmm. New Age practices believe in things such as reincarnation, astrology, Met metaphysics, the, the, the presence of spiritual energy in physical objects such as trees and mountains. No wonder why Pentecostals like to go to the mountains often. They believe that there is some spiritual energy that is emitted from these things. And New Age religion, you find it in a lot of uh, practices in our days, such as uh, such as yoga, meditation. Mm. People are seeking some sort of uh, enlightenment, some sort of um, some sort of um, illumination. They say that by meditating, you can enter into this uh, altered consciousness where you can tap into the divine, where you can have a unity with the divine. The new age practice, this is where you get saying such as uh, you need to find peace in yourself. <laughs> I, I, I want to, to find myself. I am looking for myself. That's, that's mysticism, um, ladies and gentlemen. That is mysticism. Now, I want to go quickly. Uh, my time is running out, but I, I just want to run quickly um, and highlight the dangers of mysticism and why we need to be vehement in speaking against it. Now, firstly, mysticism is dangerous because it undermines the authority and sufficiency of Scripture. And this is the number one reason why mysticism is such a huge danger. It screams... The Bible is not enough. It leads to closed Bibles. It is, not it is not enough to just read about Christ. You have to experience Christ. That's what they say. That's what mysticism say. The Bible is stale food. There is so much hatred towards theology. Adoption in our day. This is where it's coming from. It's coming from mysticism. You hear sayings such as our seminaries, our cemeteries. That's all mis mysticism. Mm. And essentially, um, I heard that Joyce Mayer um, said, uh, this is actually a quote from her. She said something like, uh, like this in one of her sermons that in order for you to totally know God, you have to shut your mind. You have to close your Bible and enter into this state of unconsciousness. And I wonder why it's easy for them to deceive people. They are
telling people to close their Bibles, to shut their minds. Amen. And this is why you get, um, this is why you get, you hear this saying a lot of times, that Christianity is not a religion, but it is a personal experience. It is a relationship. This is where it's coming from. It is mysticism being, um, uh, being spoken out there. Avodi Balkam says that we live in an age where a lot of people are passionate about a Jesus. They don't know. That's a lot of uh, so-called Christians. The book of Proverbs says that zeal without knowledge is like a headless horse. That's a lot of Christians in our day. They are so passionate. They are on fire about a Jesus. They don't know. Let me be honest, uh, friends. Zeal is not bad at all. We ought to be zealous. We ought to be on fire for God. But it cannot be divorced from doctrine. Zeal without knowledge is dangerous. That's why there's a lot of heresies and deception in today's churches. Zeal has to be accompanied with knowledge. Another area where you see the impact of uh, mysticism is in decision-making. Decision-making slash uh, what is known as finding the will of God. You hear this term often in our day. John MacArthur says, uh, <laughs> the will of God does not need to be found. It is not lost. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But what these um, mystics, Pentecostals mean when they say you need to find the will of God, they are saying that the reviewed will of, the reviewed will of God in his word is not enough. You need to tape into the secret will of God, the hidden will of God. And you will be surprised how many Christians are mystical in terms of how they make their decisions. A lot of Christians are looking for signs. Before they make a decision on whom to marry. They are praying, God, give me signs. <laughs> Is this person I want to marry the right one? But did you biblically evaluate them? Are you equally yoked with this person that you want to marry? I remember uh, before I married my wife, mm. I told this other friend of mine that, um, <laughs> I told this other friend of mine that um, I want to marry uh, this girl. And I remember his response. He's a Pentecostal. Um, his response was, Maganzo wa mwari baba. What that means is, did you seek the will of God? Did you, did you go into the mountains and pray and ask God and did he drop a word and give you a vision that you should marry this girl? We have a lot of Christians that delay marriage because of this. They are waiting for a confirmation from God. Mm. <laughs> you want God to drop crumbs from heaven uh, so that you direct you that um, this is the person you should marry. This is the job that you should take. Friends, that, that is paganism. Mm. That is mysticism. Mm. And it should not be hate amongst us. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Romans chapter number 12, verse 2. Let me read it very, very quickly. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by tasting you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The church, um, in this quest of finding the will of God, the church has gone what the Apostle Paul prescribes in the scripture. Apostle Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. But that's essentially what the church has done. It has conformed to pagan practices. It's gone into mysticism to find the will of God. Paganism says that you have to shut your mind and enter into a realm of unconsciousness for you to find the will of God. But the scriptures say the opposite. Romans 12 2 is saying that, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The mind is crucial. Mm. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. <coughs> it is through the mind that we, we, we know the will of God by reading his word. That's how we know the will of God. By examining scripture, that's how, that's how we know the will of God. Finding the will of God by seeking a special kind of knowledge. It <laughs> will frankly get us in trouble, friends. <laughs> that is an invasion of privacy. <laughs> the Bible says that uh, the, 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 the things which are reviewed, they belong to men, but the secret things belong to God. Thirdly, mysticism is corrupted worship. It is corrupted worship. The worship experience is not enough if it if 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 it does not affect you physically. The the worship experience is not enough if it does not uh um lead you into this state of unconsciousness. The, the worship experience is not enough. <laughs> and you start crying and sobbing and enter into an emotional frenzy. They say that the worship experience is not enough. And frankly, that's, that's the reason why um, we hear a lot of uh, erotic uh, uh, songs in worship in our days. These uh, sort of uh, uh, Jesus is my boyfriend type of songs. It's coming from mysticism. And you, you can sort of tell from the lyrics, I need your touch. Lord, take me deeper. <laughs> Pull me closer. <laughs> I want more. Show me your glory. It's mysticism. It's saying, um, what? It's, it's saying that uh, you need more. You need to experience more. There is some special kind of experience that you need to have. You need to hunger for more. Friends, that, that is not the Christian worship experience. That is not what God um, prescribes for us in his scripture. Amen. That is being pragmatic and innovative in worship. And ask uh, Nadab and Adibu, um, 
They try to do that and, and abuse. They try to do that. They try to be innovative with their worship. They offered strange fire to the Lord. And God burned them to death. We should be careful with this. Amen. Amen. Mysticism is the reason why a lot of deception is entered into the church because Christians are being told to shut their minds. No wonder why Christians nowadays are easy to be lied to. No wonder, because doctrine has been set aside. Doctrine is not important. They say doctrine will make you cold. So a lot of Christians nowadays, they cannot recognize false teaching. They cannot recognize false teachers. False teachers often come with this crafty speech, with this lofty speech that Apostle Paul warns against in Colossians. Because they know that if they tell you to shut your mind and lead you into a state of uh, um, unconsciousness, they can lie to you and steal money from you and ask you to give a seed of $1,000 and you give them. Ask you to give your entire salary and you give them. That's, that's the reason why a lot of Christians are being abused in our day. And mysticism, at the end of the day, is, it is cultic. A lot of uh, people who believe in history, who believe that they, they have access to some kind of secret knowledge, they always started some sort of cult. In Acts, you see the apostle Peter confronting a guy called, uh, uh, is it by Jesus? who claim to be a prophet. The apostles um, warned him. They spoke against him and they confronted him. He was studying a cult of his own. And no wonder why these so-called mega churches, which are led by these mystical prophets, they've turned into some cults. They don't want to hear that their prophet, their papa, is teaching falsehoods. <laughs> you <laughs> speak against any of um, any negative comment about Makandiwa, you will see his followers, what his followers will do to you. Touch not my anointed one. It's cultic. Mysticism will inevitably lead to culti- uh, to cultism. Amen. Amen. And the the last danger that comes from uh, from mysticism is it's, it's idolatry. All sorts of mysticism uh, in all of its forms will mostly inevitably lead to idolatry. Uh, let me read this. Um, mysticism will almost always inevitably lead to idolatry. Exodus chapter number 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of Egypt, we did not know what has become of him. So they had been waiting uh, for Moses for a while. They're like, ah, Moses is taking long to come back from the mountain. We cannot wait anymore. We want more. Mm-hmm. 
verse, verse 5. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made the proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. He was referring to the calf. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose out to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down for your people whom you have brought, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. They have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They made for themselves a golden calf and they have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Amen. These people, they were tired of waiting. They wanted a tangible experience with God. They wanted a God they can touch, they can see, and they can feel. They wanted a God that they, they can access. This is what mysticism, Christian mysticism is saying. You need to have an experience with God. You need a God that you can have access to. You need a God that you can feel in some tangible way. And friends, we can see it in our day that this has inevitably led to idolatry. No wonder why they believe they are gods. No wonder why they believe in self-autonomy. It is all linked even with this rise of self-affirmation in our day. The idol in our culture, in our day, is self. Because people have believed the lies that come from uh, these mystic practices. They believe that, they believe the lie that was given to Eve, that you can be like God. But we ought not to believe those lies. I'll end with this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received. Now, if you accept a different gospel from the one you accept, you put up with it readily enough. He's warning the saints at Corinth against uh, mysticism. A different Jesus, special revelations, a different gospel. We need to pray, friends, that we won't be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. We need to reject the lies of mysticism. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>